This is a filmmaker gardener dachshund. This podcast is sponsored by flymo.com forward slash UK. Yeah, I'm in a bit of a weird mood today. How are you doing, everyone? Uh, welcome back to that podcast. It's a double bill. Big up, flymo.com UK uh, for supporting the podcast, sponsoring the podcast, keeping my garden looking awesome. Like, awesome, guys. Uh, do check out the website. Got some, there's got some, some great stuff on there. Some awesome... Should we play it? I, th- I don't like to keep bothering you at the start with the jingle, even though they're fantastic. Thanks. Uh, let's, play, let's play one. Had to go and cut the lawn Got the mower out It was okay, but it didn't really cut my lawn had to go down to the shop that day. Got myself a flower, baby. And went all away. Cut the grass. Boom, 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 boom. There goes the blades of grass in the room. It was not in the room. It was out in the garden. I should admit, but Flamo did it. Every little bit, it's a flamo, baby. A flamo machine that cuts the grass straight. Oh, flamo, flamo, flamo. I've listened to that jingle so many times. I need to start. <laughs> I need to start. So, what month are we in? End of Feb. It's only two months in. I'm gonna say I'm gonna write some new ones. But big up to Flymo for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, high fives all around for that. Look, I promised you this. I promised you a double bill with Joshua Tut. Uh, he did a talk at CD Sunday, and we were lucky enough to record it. Uh, just because uh, I said to Saga, I said, look, I really like to get this on record because I think this is going to provide some real value to you, the listener. That's you, you guys, always thinking of you. Don't say I don't think of you, because I have. Um, I just thought it'd be a great thing. And I am going to do it with other guests in the future, because, you know, these talks, they're done and then they're forgotten about. And all that value is is fantastic for the audience that is there, but just sort of lost and, and you know, just sort of disappears, doesn't it? So I thought, do you know what? Let's try it. Let's see what you guys... I mean, I've put my talks in it before. They've gone down pretty well. Of course, because I'm brilliant. Anyone? Yep. No, no one. Okay. Um, have we done the intro yet? We're doing the tech. Uh, I've put my talks in before, but I just really thought that, um, you know, let's just try this. Let's bring some real value to this podcast uh, through other people's fantastic content. So um, hit the intro and, and, we'll, and we'll continue. going to intro this and joshua was so like i mean obviously i am the best at talking like i can talk for england and i'm a bit of a show off so if you want book me then please do but it's very um how do i say this it's a it's a tough thing to do a talk it is really tough and joshua went up there with such uh charm and and what's the word um What's the word I'm looking for? Enthusiasm and confidence. Thank you. I thought, man, this man, this guy needs to be on more stages. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and he had such great stuff to talk about. If you want to find out more about Joshua, if you want to get book him, if you want to book him for one a talk. He does loads of different talks. One is the Sensory Garden, which you're sort of about to to listen to now. Instant Gardening as well, and also No Dig Gardening. Garden, 
Oh, growing the easy way, it says. Uh, if you want to find out more about that, then hit up Sissy Berry. Sissy, I'll spell it. C-I-S-S-B-U-R-Y. Sissbury. Gardening. Dot. UK. Hit it up. <laughs> That's a terrible plug, isn't it? Check it anyway. Go check him out. If you want to get him for a talk, if you listen to this and think, you know what, he'd be really good for a talk, um, please go hit him up. Let let him know that I've, because I, I probably, I should probably get a cut, like 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 60%, yeah, 60% cut. Uh, no, honestly, I, I really think he's a fantastic speaker and, um, and you're going to listen to it now, so you'll be able to hear it. Look, this is a great talk. I really took, I personally took a lot away from this. Uh, I did a sensory-ish garden, sensory-ish garden at Idle Home Show last year, uh, which, by the way, obviously was fantastic. But we were rushed, but out late. Joshua talked uh, about being not so like in your face sensory. Do you know what I mean? Like a bit more subtle. And I quite, I really like that. And I, I never thought about it too much because you think, oh, sensory garden, you will be, oi, oi. And I mean, I could not really do a garden without the oi, oi, could I? But it, I, just the subtle, subtleness of this sensory garden tour, I, I just loved it. So, look, I hope you get a lot from it. Give it a listen and um, and tell me what you think. What's going on in the pardon shed with Lee? Let's go down to the pardon shed and see. Will he be sewing or will he be chilling? Probably more chilling, but then need some sewing, but. What's going on in the potting shed of What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? What's going so on? So now we have Joshua, Joshua Tut, who's here. Um, he's going to talk about the sensory garden. That's why you're all here. So the brief description we've got is... I do have a much longer one, but you don't have all that time. How to plant for the senses, making gardening and the joy of plants accessible and beneficial to all. So, welcome Joshua. I'll hand you over. Hello. I'll take this. I'll take this off. I don't, don't like to feel constricted. Ah, oh, there we go. Hello. Hello, I'm Joshua. Um, so this is a talk about sensory gardening. Uh, I do multiple different sensory garden talks, but I kind of adapted this one to cover a lot of sensory garden um, aspects of the talks I do. So it's the first time I've done this one. So if I if I don't cover something which you was hoping I would talk about to do a sensory garden, then come afterwards and we can have a chat and just ask questions and things like that. I want it to be quite relaxed, so if you want to ask a question halfway through, just stick your hand up and we'll address it. Uh, I'm an organic gardener. I'm basically just a jobbing gardener. I'm down from Worthing. I do design work um, and things like that. Um, and this talk is a sort of a... It's about my own journey creating a garden for my family um, and then what went on from there, creating a few gardens for some clients of mine and about the senses in general, just to kind of go across a broad, um, well, you'll see, we'll start. Okay. So who saw Big Dream Small Spaces? Did anyone see that show? One person, two people. Oh, lots of people. Monty would be happy with ratings. Um, so, yeah, I'm a gardener. Uh, we were sat down, we were watching season one of Big Dream Small Spaces. It's a, it's a program uh, where Monty Don goes to families or couples or whoever, and they want to create their dream garden. Um, and then he kind of guides you and helps you with your dream, basically. Uh, so we, this is me, uh, that's my wife Emma, and that's our son Noah. 
Uh, Noah was born with Down syndrome. Uh, we had recently moved into a new house, quite an old house, quite run down. Uh, the garden was a real mess, so we wanted to create a sensory garden for our son. Um, because Noah has uh, sensory issues in the sense where he can't uh, register certain senses like uh, someone without additional needs. So, for instance, if he was to touch uh, water, it wouldn't fire in his head quite as well, and he'd find it quite an uncomfortable sensation. Or if he was to walk over something like um, a gravel path, it would, it would throw him out if he was just walking on pavement, for instance. And he was very young, so we wanted to really get him out there, get him in the garden, and try to encourage him that it's a safe place. But obviously, at the moment, it was a complete bombsite. So we applied for the show. They got back to us. Uh, they said, yeah, it's a great story. The only problem is, don't say you're a gardener, because uh, <laughs> people won't like that. So I was like, all oh, right, OK, OK. So um, if you watch the show, they say I work within the local community. So that kind of, you know, that's, you can take that for what it is. Um, but saying that, I learned a lot on the show. Having Monty Don come down, you don't, you don't learn nothing. You know, it's, it's brilliant to have his advice, and he was really brilliant. So we're going to a little bit about that. But what are the senses? So the senses, you don't have to have additional needs to have a sensory garden, or don't have to have anything like that. If we're all sentient beings. We all take in the senses from all our gardens and our spaces, this room now, everything. So there's five senses. But six with mine. Oh yeah. um, there's taste, touch, sight, sound, scent, and then the most important, which I think is the soul, the soul of the garden. Um, and the reason I picked garlic, because garlic is, actually covers pretty much all of these senses. Garlic, you have the taste, you have a very strong taste, everyone has garlic, you know what it tastes like, uh, really strong, quite spicy. Uh, the garlic bulb is touched when it's dried out. You can break apart all that papery skin. You can pull apart the cloves. Um, the big white bulbs, if you grow something like elephant garlic and you have those really big white bulbs out of the ground, so you're dealing with sight, they look beautiful, they're fantastic. Um, sound, the ruffling of the bulbs when you pull them apart, that crinkling of the papery skin. The smell of garlic in food and just the smell of it raw is probably one of the best smells ever, I think. Unless it's on your breath. Then don't come there. Um, yeah, and the soul. So even with the garlic, you can think of uh, the soul of the garlic in the sense of you could possibly remember when your grandmother was cooking something or someone's cooking something, it'd take you back to a memory or a specific time when you've had a dish with garlic in. So people don't really talk about that aspect of the sort of memories of the senses and the journey plants can take you on. What I'm going to do is I'll go into some of the plants to cover all of these senses. What I'm not going to do is I'm not just going to stand up here and list off, it's a whole talk of me just saying this plant's good for scent, this plant's good for touch, this plant's good for scent, because there's fantastic growers out there. So if you get a few ideas here, I'll say some plants, but if you really want to explore it, I advise going out and talking to some of the seed, the people selling the seeds, the seed swap guys, the growers, and they can advise you on. Or come up later and I can tell you more um, options. So this was taste. We wanted to Noah to really explore taste because at the moment he would only eat sort of pureed food because he senses he likes a, is a texture-based sense. So he would only eat smooth foods and if anything had a lump in it or anything like that, he would, he would spit it out. And everything was just blitzed up. So we'd chuck vegetables in, it would blitz it up, we'd give it to him. So he's not really exploring much more than just sort of filling himself up. So we wanted with Noah to grow things that he could go out in the garden he could pick, he could explore, he could taste, and it would be safe. And one of the best ones is radish, because radishes aren't actually very nice. So, but they, they look really great. So, but, and, that, and that in itself is a sense. So a radish, you'll, you, for a child to eat a radish, it's an unpleasant taste, but it's not like he's picked you know, a habanero chili or something. It's not going to kill him. But it will make him realise that, oh, I can pick blackberries, I can pick some tomatoes, I can pick these little uh, 
cucumbers, but if I pick a radish, that's actually not that nice. So maybe I'll explore other things. It, it makes him realise you can't just go in the garden and everything's going to be delicious and he's just going to pick everything. And it's, it's that he's exploring the negative senses of his taste as well as the positives. Each one of these also is touch and scent and smell and everything. They're all, all multi-purpose. So touch... Uh, this is a statue, the lamb's tongue, that's a, a really obvious sensory plant. We've probably all touched that in our times where it's really furry leaves, really lovely. It's in almost every school sensory garden you can imagine. But the sensory plants I like are the ones that are not as obvious as that. So uh, the boxer spools, for instance. When you see topiary... I challenge anyone when you see a topiary ball when it's slightly grown, it's sort of a few weeks into not being clipped and it's got that fresh growth on it, you can't help but touch that. So we, we had loads of topiary balls, we really wanted Noah to be able to gulp shrubs, run his hands through things. Um, and the same with the grasses, that's steeper, Mexican feathertail grass. Um, and you can run your hands through that. It's not sharp. Some of the grasses, like miscanthuses, they can be quite sharp, or pampas grass, probably most common people have cut themselves on. So really soft grasses with box balls, and then um, you also get the scent that covers that. Uh, Buxus clipped. When you clip it, that's one of the best smells. As a guy, I'm a working gardener, and the smell of clipped box is just the best. <laughs> Sight. So sight is kind of missed because it's almost taken for granted. You, you go into the garden, if you're thinking about the senses, you're quite often thinking about scent and taste, but just to actually the sight and the look of the garden is one of the most important, I feel. So we grew these really big sunflowers for Noah because he wanted to encourage him to get up there and have a look. And what happened was he, I'd put him on my shoulders, I'd lift him up to the sunflowers, and then he would snap it off straight away and pull it down and what's easy to do and I think probably a lot of us would be guilty for because we've all grown plants is you, you'd be angry about that you say oh no 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 no! don't snap that off don't break that off no we grew them you know you don't break the flowers but what that does is that gives a negative that makes gardening naughty that's oh this is something that we don't touch and we don't do it's actually much more beneficial for him to snap that head off look at it, touch it, feel it, and then you've lost your sunflower, but it doesn't matter because he's had a positive experience. And this goes with all children. Quite often when we're in the garden with children, you're telling them to get off the beds. Like, don't, don't, don't go on the beds, don't tread on this, don't tread on that. But it's much better for a child to be in the garden and just to be with the gardener, be it a grandparent, a dad, um, and just for them to feel confident in a space so that it's not something that grown-ups do and I'm allowed to just be here while they're gardening. These are Helleniums. I love this. It's one of my favourite plants to plant in all my customers' gardens because I always feel like uh, the head of it is almost like the surface of Mars or something like that. As it uh, ages throughout the year, it gets all these sort of orange and black ripples and then eventually becomes the seed. It's really a brilliant plant to get up close to and just take in. Uh, also feels nice, they kind of pull apart a little bit. Down here you've got salvia hot lips, super common plant, um, brilliant for scent, but uh, you have those little red and white flowers and they're actually quite furry if you get down close and touch them, so that's another, another sense to explore. This is sound, so you have uh, more grasses. Grasses are one of the best for sound because if you grasses and bamboos, if you're in a garden and you get wind brushing through them, it's the subtle sounds. Most sensory gardens, if you go to a nursery or a nursery that's trying to be a bit more up and they've got forest school, they have a sensory garden. And quite often the sensory garden is they've painted the fence the colour of a rainbow, they've whacked a xylophone on the side of it, they've got pots and pans. And that's, that's a sensory overload, that's full on, that's like play. So really you want to encourage a child or adult to be in the garden and just be still and listen for the sounds. Rather than making a racket, understand the natural senses of the plants around you and the sounds that are coming, like the birds coming, the bamboos, the grasses blowing, so bring sounds into the garden. <coughs> 
Water is another good one. Uh, the Japanese actually tune water fountains with rocks and stones. You have people that are designated to just that job because it's quite common for us to chuck a water feature in and it just sounds like you know someone's going for a wee in the corner or something. <laughs> it's good to, uh, to have a water fountain that what we did is we hid our water fountain so we couldn't actually see it. We hid it, um, we planted loads of cat mint in the pita. It's a really strong smell and we, we hid it in a bed and planted it all around with salvias and catmint so that Noah could hear the sound of the water and then would have to push himself into, like any kid, he wanted to play. As soon as you see water, he wants to get in there and play in it. But he has to push himself and put himself through that threshold of not wanting to brush past plants and get it on his arms in order to get to the water. So he, he's discovering, you're discovering as you go through a garden. And then poppy heads, these ones are great because they're like little maracas. You can shake around, snap them off when they're dried, and you can pour the seeds out, and you literally get millions of little seeds in your hands. So, uh, yeah, they're one, they're one of my favorite. They're super easy to grow. This is scent. So, you've got the Nicotianas. Um, that's like an evening scent. So, if you're in the garden in the evening when the sun's coming down, you get a really strong smell. The flowers are also really sticky. So, if you get those on your hands, you get like a sticky, like, dew that uh, covers them. Uh, and they're tall as well, so they're good for sight. You can go up to those, and it's, it's quite, uh, if you plant loads of them together, it's quite the impact. Chamomile, we planted little paths, little nooks of chamomile for him to walk on, um, and rub the flowers, and then we used it for tea and stuff like that. Although I struggled with the tea, I don't know, maybe I need to talk to someone, because every time I've grown chamomile, the tea's really horrible. It's, uh, and I think there's a different type of chamomile that you can grow for the tea, so someone I keep going to nurseries and saying, have you got the tea chamomile? And they don't know what I'm talking about. So, uh, and this is the pizza. This is the catmint. This is Six Hills Giant. It's a really big one. It goes huge and it kind of flops over. If you whack that down, when it's finished flowering, it will put on another growth and flower pretty much all year. It's brilliant. It's a spacious perennial. And this is about the soul of the garden, which is definitely the most important. I've kind of covered it when talking about their kids' gardens, about being there. But unless you're, you can plant all these sensory plants in your garden, you can really make it an absolutely lovely space to be in. But if you go out your door, you have your sack of turns in your pocket, and think, oh, I'm going to snip down this, I'm going to snip this down, that needs pruning. Oh, I'm going to go and weed this now. Oh, I've got the kids in, we're going to go do this. And if you don't actually stop and take time to be in the garden, then it's all completely missed. You won't, you won't appreciate any of it because you're always doing jobs. I find I'm always doing weeding, I'm always harvesting something, I'm always planting something, I'm always going out and doing something, I'm going out with the kids and I'm, I'm getting them to do something in the garden. But um, if you practice mindfulness or if you just want to just sit down and take in the garden, then you'll be amazed at how alive it is, even if it's a small space, those grasses will start making sound. You will pick up the sense of plant, even if the smell of the soil or if it's been raining. Just need to take five, ten minutes just to be in the garden, and then you can crack on with all the jobs you need to do, and you'll find that doing those jobs, you'll actually be more involved in the garden, and you'll feel, you'll just feel better. I did have a picture of George Harrison there, and I took it down, because I just wanted George Harrison to kind of look at me and give me a wink as if you're doing all right. <laughs> He's a good gardener. I think he played guitar too. So this was the garden when we very first uh, applied for the show. So I uh, had a boundary fence around, it wasn't very big, big quite a big space, but not, not huge. Um, most of it was Russian vine. Uh, we had lots of brambles, a lot of stinging nettles. Um, just a complete mess, basically. So what happens is Monty Don comes down with his crew, he walks you around the garden, he says bits and pieces about, oh, what are you going to do? You're going to do this, you're going to do that. Oh, you can keep this, keep that. Um, and then they go away, and you've, you've drawn your own plans. This is, uh, it's not like the Alan Titchmarsh programs where they come in and blitz it all and we go to a hotel for three days. <laughs> Basically, it's all your money, they don't pay it for any of it. It's all your money, it's all your design, it's all your work. Like uh, Monty Don, I don't think actually... They didn't plant a single plant or anything, he just basically advised, but that's what the show is about. And it's a much better way because you, 
it's your garden then. I often, not to poo-poo the other shows, but I often watch the other gardens, like Love Your Garden uh, or Ground Force back in the day, and they've planted these gardens up absolutely fantastic. And I always think I'd love to see how these people that aren't gardeners and don't know what they're doing with the garden would, like, would actually cope with that when they're gone. So yeah, he came round, we, we said what we want, we, we described Noah, he was brilliant with Noah, uh, and then he left, and then basically we just got stuck into it. So this is me and Noah. Uh, cleared the whole lot, cut everything down. This was a bay tree at the back there, so we, we sort of crown lifted that, so it looked quite nice as a standard. Uh, renovated the whole area, or tilled the whole area over, just to get it flat and clean. And you can already tell, at this point, he had never even gone out in the garden at all. He had just looked at it through the window. And just from seeing me being out there and being involved and pulling all the stuff down and ripping it up, it made him come out. And then he was getting muddy. It was already, we'd already almost achieved what we wanted to achieve just with a huge patch of mud and worms and things like that. And he was loving it. So we felt pretty confident at this point that, you know, hopefully this is going to work. So then I, because he had just started to get into the soil, I wanted to grow as much plants, and these are the sunflowers I'm talking about, they snapped off when they got big, so you can kind of see uh, how they've gone from this point to big just to be snapped off, and then how you have to kind of keep it cool. But, uh, <clears throat> so yeah, and he was really good, he made a real mess, we planted up loads of sunflowers, loads of cosmos plants like that, really, so they look really great. You know, cosmos are fantastic, you get all sorts of colors, multicolors, and they just keep flowering and flowering, and if you pick them, they come back. Um, so he was already exploring loads. I don't, yeah, he hasn't even got gloves on there, so that was a, that was a real thing. He loves a pair of gloves. Um, so yeah, he was really getting involved. We wanted him to know where the plants had come from, how to grow the plants, what to do. He had planted these seeds earlier, and this is us pricking them out. Uh, and then we had already, we put a lawn down. Um, so this is about the centuries of getting him to walk, to, to go transition from stages, from lawn, so we did this cobbled path, but it wasn't cobbled in the sense of how you'd get cobbled paths in towns, so we wanted really knobbly like when you're walking on a beach, quite uh, uneasy, quite um, bumpy, so we'd have to think about going up that path and then onto the lawn where it's nice and flat and soft. That's my friend Bobby helping me. Didn't pay him anything. <laughs> Might get him a beer or something. Uh, and apple trees. So uh, initially, when we did the show, we wanted all sorts of like textured trees. We wanted like uh, the Tibetan cherry tree. We wanted the paper birch trees, so you could really pull it apart. And um, it starts to look too much when you start to create too many senses in one garden it starts to look busy and starts to look like uh, just it just starts to look a bit naff really like you've put too much into it so we changed our mind and we went into apple trees because and we found out an interesting fact about the Bramley apple tree the Bramley apple tree actually has an extra chromosome and in Down syndrome you have an extra chromosome and the Bramley apple tree is quite hard to get good apples on it so it's not self-fertile like a lot of the apple trees now so it requires a little bit of extra help and a little bit of extra care for it to grow well for you to get a good crop and that's basically a definition for down syndrome as well with a little bit of extra care uh, attention they grow up be lovely little boys just like everybody else so we really like that we put three apple trees in we put the brownie apple we put uh oh i can't remember that uh, Greaves and Discovery. Also, an apple tree doesn't grow too big. You can get them on uh, different root stocks now, and they're the best trees for children to climb. So we envisioned that these trees would get really big and you'd be able to climb up them and all sorts like that. But uh, you'll see that changed. So we also bought a lot of plants. Here's uh, Monty. He comes back after, I don't know, he leaves you. I was doing it too quick, that to stop because I was, I'd done, he had turned up on the Monday and by the Friday I'd already had a path laid and all sorts and they, they don't turn up until sort of September to film the reveal. So they had to tell me to stop. So I, by that point I bought absolutely hundreds of plants uh, and I had to just keep going out there and keeping them watered in these pots and things like that until Monty came and then he would 
talk us through you know what plants we've got and certain aspects of different parts and they kind of shut me away at this bit and they focused on Emma because they didn't want me to be like oh yeah yeah I know that yeah oh yeah 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 but uh so they dealt with Emma there as you see I'm not there at all I was standing in the sidelines and so she was in the firing line uh, but that was a lovely day. He mapped out all the plants with us and I learned a lot from him just about putting certain textures and different plants together. And the key is, when you're planting a new garden, is, most people might say, not about overplant, because you can always take away and you can always find homes for those plants. But overplant, plant plants close together, especially if they're herbaceous perennials and things like that, just let them more mingle, because then you can garden it as you go on. If you plant too few plants, then you'll always feel a little bit lacklustre and you'll be waiting for things to grow. You better just, uh, if, you've, if you've got the time to grow them or if the money to buy them, just overplant your garden. Get the garden looking how you want it to look and then start adapting from there. Plants will get too big, they grow into each other, but then you can garden that. And that's the whole process of doing it. So I bought loads and we just filled it up completely. Uh, and then they came to the reveal and to uh, film the big reveal of the garden, um, and it was September sometime. I actually broke my phone that had the, all the photos of the central grounds, so why you haven't seen pictures of it yet, uh, and I never got them back. So it's on Netflix, so I filmed the reveal on my phone off of my iPad, so you can watch it now. Uh, so hopefully it works. Uh, there's no sound, but I'll talk you through it. So yeah, there's the garden before. And you can see there, so we had a little hobble. This was all the grass along here, a small path. This is the cobbled path with ferns, the box balls we had. We put this little hobbit hole thing in for him, with, backed with cosmos. Hot lip salvia, the beaners, a big pot of herbs for touch. This is the water fountain I told you about that was hidden behind all the plants. Uh, the lawn. So all this was, we started this in March and this was September. So all, you know, it, you can achieve this thing. Little paths going through all these plants here. More grasses. Uh, we also had shingle paths. So we went from a cobbled path to grass to a shingled path and then to uh, wood chip. So he's exploring all these different paths. So you can kind of see, so these are the Helleniums I was telling you about. We've got Echinaceas. This is a whole drift of Catmint, uh, Nepeta up here. That's the Bramley apple tree. There's other apple trees spread along there. The fence along the back is the sunflowers all across here. They would go up and snap off. Um, lots of sedums, like Autumn Joy, because they're like a really squishy texture. Nicely, you can break them apart and they're quite gluey inside. Uh, yeah, so it was lovely, really good. Show was done, absolutely perfect. Um, so then when the cameras stopped, what they didn't show you on the show is we had a larger front garden that was private, uh, all like uh, fenced off from, from the road and things like that. And this was our back garden. And the front garden was in worse condition than the back garden, which is the sensory garden. But as Noah started to explore the sensory garden and get really confident, he stopped going in the sensory garden because he, he, he's, he was confident he could go anywhere now. He, could, he was walking fantastically. Uh, so then he started going, spending all his time in the front garden, which was covered in weeds and brambles and uh, probably about half the size of this hall, I'd say. Um, and we literally never went in the never went in the central garden. Didn't didn't use it. Yeah, I looked at I looked out at it out my kitchen window. I was like, oh, I remember doing that. And then it'd be in the just a complete mess garden. Uh, and then we had another child, uh, Percy. Um, and then he'd start going in the garden with his brother. And I used to be like, oh, let's go in the back sensory garden and like try and get him with hose pipes and think, come on, you know, this was like a massive waste of time. Uh, but. Uh, he would go out there and he would keep eating the edible bits, like we had like strawberries and things. So he'd be in the front garden, he'd be making a mess and you know, like getting himself all stung on the legs with stinging nettles and things. And then he'd go in the back garden and pick himself a strawberry and then back in the front garden again. Um, and me and my wife had an allotment at this stage and we kept going down to the allotment and bringing food. And then we said, well, 
why don't we just dig up the whole central garden, start again, get it back. You know, it, did, it only took a year to do that one, or less than a year, so we're clearing it all away, we get rid of it, uh, and we bring our allotment to the sensory garden, and we move all the sensory garden to the front garden, and then add more, so it's an even bigger sensory garden. So, um, we did that. So, it doesn't look quite as pretty, but, uh, so we cleared the whole area, every single plant gone, you can see the cobble path still there. I put a, a shed in, pretty naff looking polytunnel, made it look as ugly as I possibly could, really. Um, Still got an apple tree, sadly, like the, the remains of the old century garden laying there. But also we had moved everything into the front garden, so that was starting to look really good, really much better. And then you can see, so as the year went on, we started growing absolutely loads of veg, loads of produce. And then what happened is, this was my allotment, this was my veg garden. So like I was thinking about putting gates and everything, because I always since my mind like growing. Like, but what happened is he then spent all his time in the vegetable garden. So we moved all the plants into the front to make that bigger sensory garden. And then because he liked the eating and he had discovered all these tastes and things like that, he just spent the whole time, so I cannot get him out of the veg garden now. So um, I started putting sunflowers in the veg beds and things like that. And uh, yeah, he's been brilliant. He's, the tastes he explores, big strawberry beds, uh, what, what's funny is he will only eat vegetables if he's picked it or if it's raw. If I, if I pull up carrot out of the ground, take it inside and cook it with him and chop it up into food, he'll still spit it out. It's almost the whole sensory process of going in the garden, pulling a carrot out of the ground, washing it under the tap with the water, getting the mud off it and then crunching it. And then he will eat like a whole carrot. Or he'll eat every single cucumber on the whole plant, even if it's not even ripe. Just like a little rock-hard yellow cucumber crunched out on. Um, so yeah, so now we have this big garden. So basically, long story short, is we had actually... What we had learnt from the show is that the, gar the garden evolves as he grows. The century garden was never supposed to be permanent. The century garden was supposed to get him to the point where he is now. It was to get him to the point where he could be completely free in a vegetable garden and pulling up veg and pulling up plants and then he could go into the front garden and explore all those plants and then he would just have that freedom. I never thought having a son, especially with uh, additional needs, that I'd be able to be in the house, have a cup of tea, and he'd be out in the garden. I wouldn't have to worry about him. I wouldn't have to think, oh, is he, you know, is he doing, so, so, is he doing something naughty or has he got out of the gate or anything like that? Whereas he will spend most of the time, now if I actually go in the garden, I get shouted at and I get told off because it's his space. He doesn't like me to be in it. And if I pull up a carrot, they're his carrots. You, know, you can't pull up carrots. So uh, I created a monster. <laughs> So from that, I, uh, as I said, I was a, I'm a working gardener. I thought I really feel quite passionate about uh, these sensory gardens. I mean, they're, they're called sensory gardens. They're just gardens. It's basically just how you how you put the plants in and how you phrase it and how you how you are in the garden yourself that makes it a sensory garden. So uh, I started picking up projects and just sort of uh, talking to certain customers. Uh, so I'll go through a few little projects and bits and pieces. So these are just the borders. I had a gentleman uh, in the village we live who he has MS and um, it means he's slowly becoming, his mobility is getting far worse and he lived in a bungalow which had steps to get up onto the garden and he wasn't confident even getting into the garden at all anymore. He really struggled to walk. Uh, he didn't know anything about garden, he wasn't really into plants but he loved colour and he would, he would say to me, I really don't, I won't be going out there and exploring the senses of the grasses and things like that. I just, I want to sit in my kitchen with my door open and have, I want to look out and just see an explosion of colour. And from my design head, I kind of was a bit like, oh, I'm not sure because certain colours don't go with other colours and things like that. And I, I originally planted it up and it was all like whites and quite fancy and like, I could tell he didn't like it. So I thought, oh, I'm going to have to rethink this. So I basically just threw everything into his garden, everything you can imagine, snapped over. This, this, this is like my second van load, this picture of plants for him. And this garden's very much sight, but most importantly, it's soul, because he knows he can't get out into the garden. And as time goes on, he even, he'll be able to get into the garden even less. 
So his soul was asking for to see. He wanted to feel like he was in the garden, even though he was in his kitchen. He wanted to just have that feeling of beautiful plants surrounding him and uh, close to him. Uh, we also dug up big bits around his conservatory. He had a lawn that came right up to his conservatory. Uh, and now the borders go slap bang right up to that conservatory and plants like touching the windows for when he's in there. Um, so yeah, he was a happy customer. We tried to bring scent forwards as well so he could smell it with his uh, windows open. This one was a good one. This was a uh, customer in a wheelchair uh, and they had moved into a new house and they had um, and just a huge, which quite a lot of people are doing now, it's quite sad really, it's just an absolute massive slab of uh, concrete for a driveway. No, no plants whatsoever, just one sycamore tree sticking out of a little hole. Uh, and it's basically said that I want to pull up into the driveway, I get out of my car and I want to, be, I want to have plants and I want to have, be, feel like I'm coming home and it's nice and it's uh, like a welcoming space. And it was a very shady border. So um, what we did is, this is another little video, I'll play it here. So it's a huge drive where we put these huge Dixonia tree ferns in. That's a great big bay cone. You've got choices. Uh, that's an Erebotra standard tree there. Right up back to the fence there in the background that we painted. That's as far as the driveway went. You'll see them in as I pan out. Uh, lots of ferns. Alcamilla mollis, um, variegated fatias, because it's very much about, this one was about sight, because you want to see those vibrant greens, um, the variegated leaves of the fatias, and painting the fence at the background makes the plants pop out. That's the only original tree that was there. You can just see the edge of the driveway. And so basically that whole space right the way back was all driveway. Uh, that, there's a big bay cone here. Uh, we, we put that in, that's the biggest plant I've ever planted in my whole life. They turned up with this pot that must have been, well, I don't know, like hundreds of litres pot. And they dropped it off for the back of this truck with a, a crane lift. And then they basically said, all right, see you later then. Um, so I was on my mobile phone, like phoning like, people going, I need, I need a whole planted. And like, oh, it was so stressful. But, uh, but also all these plants deal with all the other things. The bay... They won't be able to get in the border, but if you were to touch the trunk of a tree fern, they've got those tiny little fibrous hairs on them, they're really dry, you've got the bay which smells fantastic, uh, you've got all the Alcamilla mollis, Alcamilla mollis is a plant that grows along the ground and if you ever see it in the rain, the raindrops, they settle on the leaves and stay like little jewels all over it. Um, so yeah, I've been really lucky just to keep picking up these little projects, but they're if, but they're just gardens. That's, this is the thing. If, if, if no one said that's a sensory garden, it's not a sensory garden. It is just a garden, but it's about the senses. And this is my whole thing about when you do go and see sensory gardens, how they almost actually miss the point, how they are too full on, how they're just aimed at kids with musical instruments and mud kitchens and all this sort of stuff. When... Uh, any garden can be a sensory garden. I can't imagine a single garden, even if you just had a square of lawn, that you wouldn't have uh, a sensory experience from. Another customer was, um, she just felt her age, basically. She was, she was getting on and she just felt her age and uh, she was quite wealthy and she wanted a swimming pool put in to keep herself getting fit. Um, but she also wanted to feel like she hadn't sacrificed her whole garden to just having a swimming pool. She didn't want it to look like she had gone to the gym and it was just slabs and swimming pool. So we dug a massive great big hole, we had the swimming pool fitted, and then we created these tiered banks that go right up almost to the water, and we planted it full of uh, agastaches and grasses and salvias. Um, so this was sort of spring, and then there, by the summer, you can see we, this was about four tiers of plants. We had figs, olives, uh, agastaches, grasses, uh, eryngiums. Just bringing it right down, that path looks quite wide there, but that path's actually very narrow. It's only about one slab's width. 
So to walk past that, you can't help but, the, the grasses can't help but brush your shoulder. You can't help but smell the plants. You can't help but have the bees going around. And um, so the idea was to have her to be able to swim, but to be, to feel like she hadn't sacrificed a whole garden just to be able to do that. And then this was uh, just a little garden that we did for a school that is super simple. They had basically no budget whatsoever and in the end we just, we did it for free. It was the one that was in my uh, own village. Um, they wanted a sensory garden, but we took, a, we decided to not do all the trappings of having all the banging and the noises and all the, the crazy sort of overstimulation stuff they would have in a nursery garden. And we just got a tree surgeon to come in and uh, he built us these benches and these little bridges. He built this big climbing sculpture in the middle. Uh, the plants are very young, you can't really see in these pictures, but we put another bay in the corner there. We've put a willow, uh, a woven willow den for them to climb in. We planted bamboos around the edges and big bamboo in this pot. Uh, and it's wood chip, the whole floor is completely covered in wood chip, but we hadn't put a membrane down because quite often when you put the membrane down, you get it kicked off and then you just see that black membrane. And I always think that just looks so completely awful. So um, we just put a really heavy layer of mulch of wood chip and then they dig all in that, they kick it around, plants come up and then they've got the children to then start weeding it and start clearing the plants. And they will be weeding it once the bamboos kick off. I need to move out of the village before the bamboos go too mad. <laughs> They'll be coming up out the floor probably in the school. But yeah, so that was a really nice project. My son goes to that school, Percy goes to that school, uh, my youngest. Um, and they have put mud kitchens in at the far end, which is actually a really nice addition where basically just rotivated up a big slab of uh, mud and they add water to it and they make a real mess and then they can come onto the wood chip, throw the wood chip in, mix it all up. So that's been brilliant. Oh, that's my talk. Okay, I don't, I don't know what slides are coming up. This is the first time I've done this one where it's been a bit more. So, um, yeah, I'm just open to questions on Joshua. Uh, I hope you found it quite interesting. I've got no books to sell, nothing like that. I just like talking. That's <laughs> how people are, are leaning towards. I, I, I was just saying about how gardens are becoming more untidy in that sense, where people are allowing more wildlife to come in and out of their gardens. Um, and just to have yeah, less of the sort of traditional English garden where it is very neat, very tidy, very clean, and very strict, is uh, my brothers aren't into gardening at all. And they... When they saw my garden, I didn't show the front garden. If anyone wants to see, I've got pictures of the front garden. But uh, when they came and looked at the garden, they said, what the hell? They were like, what the hell is this? I was like, where are the kids going to play? And to them, a big square with a goalpost at each end with football in the middle, that is what, that's the kids' space and that's how they play. But what I found just from, if you want to get people outside and get them exploring, they should do it more so with parks, is lose multiple parts of the lawn and just 
make it so that you are going on a journey. Create a journey in a small space, make it bigger, feel like you're more connected in the space. Um, so that's just how I do it, that's how I try to get other people to garden. Um, and then hopefully, yeah, we'll all knock our fences down and everyone will just all live together. <laughs> oh, yeah? Where we live, there are large, large forests everywhere. Lovely. And I noticed this, and I wondered if you had, that if you go in stands of pine tree, they're very silent, and they induce silence. You go to the maple trees, and they're more uh, high-strung. Yeah. And you go into the oaks, and they have this massive feel. Mm. So it seemed to me, as I explored, that they're sentient beings. Oh, absolutely. Very much so. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, I, and you're saying that with the trees, and how he's saying how you go to certain trees and you, you feel certain vibes from the trees. Um, and again, if you bring yourself right down, you can get that from the smallest plants. If, you, if you're able to give yourself time, uh, and mindfulness of just you know a small little plant like a like a bedding plant like a you know a geranium or something like that you'll get a vibe off that you'll you'll get a sense from that and then if you're to go over to a woody shrub you get a different vibe and a different sense and it is amazing when you when you, we go up to the South Downs it's quite open and it's quite wide but you get a different vibe than if you were to go down somewhere I don't know if you're from where I am but Amory Park Estate where it's a lot of pines and it is still and quiet and the air is the air is still. Yeah, it's fantastic just to be able to explore that. And, but quite often people just walk blindly through that and not actually pick up on that altogether. Anyone else? Or? I was just seeing the front Oh yeah, the yeah. front guy, yeah. yeah. I've, got, I've got a picture of it somewhere. I'll have, to, I'll have a rummage on the pad and if anyone wants to see it, I'll see it. Don't know, you might be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. What's going on in the party in What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? What's Once going again, on? thank you so much to Joshua for being on the podcast. Thank you for letting me put that uh, awesome talk out. I really, I honestly did enjoy it, as I said at the start. And I hope you did too. Let him know. Let me know what you think about it. And if you've got more comments on sensory gardens, then please, please, please do let me know. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. You guys are wicked. Look, do me a favour. I know I say it all the time. Go review the podcast. I've had some awesome podcast reviews in, which will go over in, over the next few weeks. Um, I'll make sure I mention the awesome people that have dropped me a comment. Um Go give it a review. It really does help let people know how amazing I am. And also, it does my ego, like, in- like incredible. Like, it helps me out so much. Like, boots. <laughs> boast. <laughs> oh, I am good. Who is that? Why did he write that? Don't never speak to him again. That sort of thing. You know, it's a uh, big up our sponsors, Flymo. Uh, thank you so much for listening, peeps. And um, I'll speak to you on the next one. Migration. It's what I love It's just a guy that taught me about Dr.